Thank you. There was a guy called Jack who was walking along the edge of a, a path along the edge of a cliff, and uh, he lost his footing, and accidentally he, he fell off the edge of the cliff. But thankfully, he managed to halt his fall on the way down by uh, grabbing hold of a branch. And as he hung there, he realized that the cliff was very sheer. He couldn't climb up it. And so he began to, to, to shout out for help. Help, help, is there anybody up there? And he, he just shouted out for probably hours, what seemed like hours, and there was, there was no response. And he felt that his strength was starting to ebb away. And then he heard a voice say, Jack, Jack, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack, but are you all right? Yes, but who are you and, and where are you? I'm the Lord. You mean God, Jack said. Yes, that's who I am. Jack said, God, please help me. I, I promise if I get down from here, I'll stop sitting. I'll be a really good person. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Easy on the promises, Jack. Let's just get you down from here. Then we can talk. Now, here's what I want you to do. Listen carefully. I'll do anything, Lord. Just, just tell me what to do. Okay. Listen carefully. Let go of the branch. What? I said, let go of the branch. Just trust me. Let go. There was a long, long silence until Jack shouted, Help, help! Is there anybody else up there? The story of the first Christmas is a story of a rescue plan that brings joy to the world. So much so that we've got six or three large six-foot letters proclaiming joy to the world. But I suppose a question for every human being is, do we feel that we need a rescue plan? We have somewhere to live, we have clean running water, food, health care that's free, free education system, a judicial system, freedom of movement, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, an elected government, and a life expectancy at birth of over 80 years. I imagine that most people in the world would gladly swap the challenges we face for the challenges they face. Yet there are challenges common to every human being. There's disunity, conflict on a personal, familial, community, or national level. The war in Ukraine has and is affecting millions of people, including ourselves. Our Tear Fund Christmas appeal is to help those suffering in post-conflict countries like Colombia and Burundi. Then there's disobedience. Not only do people not agree with each other about what is right, we ourselves can't manage to do what we know is right. We can empathize with the Apostle Paul who lamented, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Then there's discouragement. Hopes and dreams can be so easily shattered. Disease. We all now know what a global pandemic looks like. Disaster. I was reminded recently that on Boxing Day 2004, the tsunami killed almost a quarter of a million people. 
and there's death. As the playwright Robert Bolt penned in A Man for All Seasons, death comes for us all, even at birth, even at our birth. Death does not stand aside a little. And every day he looks towards us and muses somewhat to himself whether that day or the next he will draw nigh. It is the law of nature and the will of God. So as human beings, I imagine that frequently or at times we may well feel like the man hanging on the branch. So what is this rescue plan for the man hanging from the cliff that was fairly clear for us? Well, the line that stood out for me most clearly in the reading that James read from Luke 1 is the one where Gabriel says to the young woman Mary about the, about the one that she will bear, he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. For a king to reign forever requires that the king live forever. And also as well, it requires that his power be unassailable. His power cannot be threatened. Mary's son was going to be a king unlike any other, and one that caused her to sing to God for joy. A king whose reign can deal with disunity, disobedience, discouragement, disease, disaster, and even death. A king who laid down his life for his subjects, overcoming all disobedience and death. Proof of his kingly authority was the power to heal the sick of disease, to live a life of utter love, and to rise from the dead. He is making all things new by his spirit, bringing creation itself back into order, bringing peace in hearts and relationships, and encouraging us to live with him, for him, and by his strength. He will return to bring in a new heaven and a new earth, a physical reality. That's what the resurrection body of Jesus tells us that can eat and be touched. What lies before us, the hope that we have in the resurrection of Christ, is that there will in the future be a physical reality in which we will once again be clothed in physical bodies perfected physical bodies, and that we will reign with him in his perfect reign of peace in a new heaven on a new earth. The rescue plan is utterly comprehensive. Nothing has been missed out. Jesus offers us life before death, and he offers us life after death. But the $64,000 question for the man hanging from the branch on the cliff was really the question, can we trust the plan? The stories of Christmas and Easter are so familiar that we forget the potential of responding to them with incredulity, of exclaiming, help, help, is there anybody else up there? Mary was so steeped in the stories of Hebrew scripture telling of the Lord repeatedly rescuing his people, of raising up the poor and marginalized and trampled people, bringing down the mighty from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. She was so steeped in it that she didn't even question that aspect of the plan. She simply asked Gabriel how she, an unmarried virgin, was going to conceive. And once Gabriel 
has answered the question and offered the sign of elderly cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary expresses that classic trust in the Lord. I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you've said to me come true. During this year, 2022, we've had the privilege of, of reading together those same stories that Mary knew so well of the Lord rescuing his people. There are stories contained in those first 12 books of Hebrew scriptures that we've read this year together. Ancient Israel was an enigma among the nations. Unlike all the other nations, Israel believed that her God chose them to bless all nations. And that he chose them not because they were numerous or powerful, but because of the Lord's compassion. They were rescued slaves who believed unusually that every human being is made in the image of God. They were unique in that belief. It's not that we still weren't really challenged by the fact of there being such brutality in the story, but and it's not that similar brutality or worse doesn't take place today. But what has changed significantly is that you and I have a much higher expectation of human conduct. The reason for that can be easily summed up in one word, Jesus. Compassion describes the life of the Messiah who both fulfilled and defied the hopes of his people. His parables reveal his gut-wrenching love. Whether as a merciful ruler forgiving an enormous debt, or a merciful father restoring a wretched son, or a good Samaritan rescuing a dying man. His actions and words are so familiar to us that we can easily miss their impact and influence in human history, and that how culturally they have become the air that we breathe. The poet Tennyson described nature as being red in tooth and claw. It's survival of the fittest out there, and you and I are well aware of it. But the supernatural rescue plan is that the fittest was sacrificed for us, the weakest, so that we, the weakest, might survive. The Roman Empire was red in tooth and claw. Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor who called the census that required Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem, was called Lord, Savior of the world, the Son of God. His claims to divinity included killing a million Gauls and enslaving a million more. He was quite a different leader to Jesus. And because of Jesus, today we call our leaders not gods, but ministers. We have a prime minister, a prime servant. Roman culture, like the rest of cultures at the time, and like the vast majority of cultures throughout history, believed that society is better off without the weak. 
that human society would actually grow stronger if the weak were eliminated. Because we're so steeped in the reality of the influence of Christ, we miss the fact of the impact that he's had on human history. The Roman Empire that we see as such so often a, a civilized entity expected parents to quietly dispose of infants with any deformity or weakness. The philosopher Aristotle said that it was the moral obligation of parents to dispose of their children if they showed any form of physical weakness or deformity. It was their moral obligation. Today, because of Jesus, we say that a society should be judged by the treatment of its weakest members. Today, if we need first aid, we look for a white cross on a green background. If we're in crisis, we look for the red cross. We have universal health care because of Jesus. In the Middle Ages, the Benedictine monks alone were responsible for opening 2,000 hospitals in Western Europe. Whether or not people believe in Jesus Christ as a savior of the world, our family life, our laws, our government, our education, science and technological advancement, healthcare, and the expectations about how we treat each other have been utterly transformed by the life of Jesus. We have received so much that is good because of him we each know what compassion looks like. We each know that compassion matters because in Jesus, God became a man and we can trust him. How do we access the plan? Jesus didn't just come profoundly to influence human society. His rescue plan goes well beyond the scope of this life to the life beyond. The way we access the plan is profoundly simple. We trust him and we let go of whatever else we believe can rescue us. When we admit that we need help, when we stop relying on our own plans and our own strength and trust him, then we let go and we discover that he catches us. And as we look into his eyes full of compassion, we wonder why we didn't let go a lot earlier. Let's pray. Lord, we